don't enjoy forgetting <laughs> to record the podcast. So I didn't record the opener. So we're going to treat this like an episode of Joe Rogan where the people who download the audio tomorrow just come in right here. They just missed the first 10 minutes of our conversation, but that's all right. We're just going to pick it up as an episode in progress. That's that's the new way people do it anyhow. So go Get ahead. Get your shit together. I'm trying. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, you enjoy music. Everybody enjoys music. I think everybody, you know, kind of relates to certain songs and stuff like that. I mean, um, you and I grew up in different eras. Mm-hmm. As you, we mentioned two weeks ago, I am Gen X. You are early millennial. Yes. And though our music taste is similar, mm-hmm. it's also can be quite different as well. Oh, my music taste is probably different than 92% of the people walking the face of this earth. I would have to agree. <laughs> I, I, I think, in all honesty, I think that my music taste is very, very eclectic. Okay. Very, very wide range. I listen to all kinds of weird shit. But, um, you know, you listen to a good song, and it, I mean, I think my generation was was you know in a weird way we listen to a lot of songs on repeat constantly over and over and over and over again and in more ways than one i i know you're talking about you know that cd that you're putting on repeat and the singles but even outside of your digitally controlled or analog controlled music um terrestrial radio mtv life was on repeat I mean, anybody who's worked a job outside of high school, like a construction site, a warehouse job, an office job, any place that allows you to listen to music, and if you turn on an old school FM radio, it's about the same 15 songs every hour and a half. So even when you weren't playing your CDs on repeat, your music was definitely on repeat. But, you know, you think about the music and everything like that that we grew up on versus the, the type of things that we listen to today, and even diving deeper into what's actually popular today as opposed to what was popular when we were kids, when I was a kid, when you were a kid, and even further than that, when Gordon was a kid. Um, (laughs) He's old. He's he's old. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, so, like, what are some of your, I guess, biggest musical influences, like, when you were a kid? Like, what was out, what was popular back that would have been the eighties and early nineties. Let's see. I was in middle school. I think I was in seventh grade, 93. The only reason I remember is my, I'm like trying to visualize my yearbooks in my head. And I think my middle school yearbooks were 93 and 94. Mm-hmm. So elementary school would have been 87, 88, no 88, 89, 90, 91 ish around that area. Yeah. But not everybody listens to the latest music. So in the 80s or in the early 90s, I could have been quite literally being exposed to late 80s stuff thinking it was new. Perfect sure. example, um, Violent Femmes. Sure. Time you're in high school, and, you know, in 1992, you're listening to a Violent Femmes album that came like out in 87. But to you, it was new. Um, but it's interesting you ask that because I don't know if it was part rebellion, um, me just sticking it to all the assholes, quote unquote. My family moved up from Kentucky to Columbus, Ohio when I was in the second grade, first right. grade. And we came from humble beginnings. I mean, 
you're talking <laughs> Kentucky holler white trash. And so when we moved up to the southwest side of Ohio, as far as what Columbus and the surrounding suburbs considered, that was the ghetto as well. But it was a sure. step up from us. But with that being said, um, dressing funny, having a weird accent, talking funny, um, you know, coming from that area to the suburbs of Columbus. I don't want to say it was a culture shock, but we weren't, you know, kids are dicks, right? That's that's the one thing that sure. hasn't changed in 40 years. They find yeah. whatever reason to make fun of you. You're dressed funny. You're not wearing, you know, you're wearing Wranglers and not guest jeans or you're wearing Levi's and not, and remember the old brown hiking boots with the red shoestrings in them? You're still wearing those instead of, uh, you know, whatever the latest Nikes and Adidas were. Sure. And so we kind of fell into running with the kids in the neighborhood. Um, As we've discussed umpteenth amounts of times, we lived in an old, we lived at Rickenbacker Air Force Base after it was converted into civilian housing. And it was just townhouses for lower, you know, upper lower class, lower middle class people, people making that transition from, you know, whether they just moved out of their parents' house and they're in their 20s and they're finally getting a job and they're, they're getting in relationships. So they're renting townhouses instead of apartments and making right. that transition out into maybe like we did, buying a house somewhere. But it was just walking distance from school. And so we just had gangs of kids running the neighborhoods. And once again, it's back when we were free range kids, right? People weren't, you know, we had the Super Nintendo, Atari 2600, but, you know, those old 8-bit side-scroll games, I'm sorry to all the new kids who thinks that shit's the cat's meow, but it got boring after about two hours. So there wasn't eight-hour-long treks, unless you're a rich kid and had a shit ton of games. But most of us, you know, we had two or three games and we traded with kids in the neighborhood. And even them had a, you know, most of you had the same games. You know, you might have that one nerd has a few extra games. And so sitting around gaming all day wasn't an option. And so we did what was in the neighborhood and what was in the neighborhood for me being in elementary school was the cool seventh, eighth grade plus the high school kids. They were skateboarding. Now I came from a land of gravel and dirt, (laughs) no paved, you know, I didn't live in the suburbs in Kentucky. Um, you know, we lived on gravel roads, gravel driveways. So skateboarding wasn't an option down there, but now I'm living in this subdivision. It's just miles and miles of streets and curbs and so we got into the skateboarding me and gordon and along with that came the music yeah and so that's a long the way culture. of saying while my contemporary <laughs> my contemporary second graders while they're all jamming mc hammer new kids on the block um, i'm trying to think of the the pop groups back then because i wasn't in on it skid row bon jovi cinderella i think alice cooper's um poison was huge then that's time skid rose 18 in life um obviously you had the paula abdul's the janet jackson all that stuff yeah the other thing y'all young cats have to remember is skateboarding was frowned upon back then we weren't it x games didn't exist tony hawk was around but he was still a kid and most people saw skateboarders as nothing more than teenage kids out destroying property and getting in trouble and it's, it was popular, but it was underground popular. It depends on where you lived. If you lived in California, yeah. Florida, it was accepted. If you lived in Ohio and Kentucky, yeah. it was you're just destroying my curbs out in front of my business, getting in front of traffic, getting in the way. 
smoking, drinking, causing trouble. Even if you're third grade and never even picked up a cigarette or a beer, you're just skateboarding with your friends. But so with thrown into it, with that downtrodden aspect of community comes rebellion, and what comes with rebellion, heavy metal and thrash music. Right. So while my contemporaries were listening to all of those bands aforementioned, I was getting my influence from what, interestingly enough, what you said at the top of the show, Gordon, and the people he was running around with. And so I was getting introduced to Faith No More, um, Suicidal Tendencies, DRI, Nuclear Assault, Testament, Megadeth, Metallica, all the stuff that, you know, well, not Nuclear Assault, but Megadeth, Metallica, that's all the, the young kids. Oh, we saw that on on Stranger Things. Well, I was there back in the beginning. And so yeah. I was listening to that stuff. And so when I got to school, I had nothing relatable. So not only was now I, I was this weird hillbilly kid with the, who couldn't talk, who had a learning disability, who sat in the janitor closet for five periods out of the day while the rest of the kids are in the mainstream classes, I like skateboarding and I listen to shitty music. And so you want to talk about being a social outcast, <laughs> Bob's your uncle. And so what right. kind of music were you listening to in your, to narrow it down between the grade, let's go by school, uh, school building. So while you're in the building of first grade to fifth grade, I'm assuming, unless you live in one yeah. of those weird states where you guys had all the way up to sixth grade. And, no. So first, I, I always find it weird. Somebody, yeah, we were first through sixth, and then high school was, you know, seventh through. It's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, what happened yeah. in middle school? <laughs> but yeah, so what were you listening to school. between the ages of pre-K and fifth grade? Okay, so earlier I said that my music taste is very, very eclectic. It's very wide range, and, it, you know, I, and I think a lot of my generation is like that, but you know, I mean, we listened to pop stuff. We, you know, we had our little cliques and stuff like that that we'd, we would, hung, you know, hang out with. But, I mean, I grew up in Florida. And, you know, the school system around here, I mean, it was, you know, I'll say in elementary school, I probably listened to more of, like, my parents' kind of music, you know, which would be, like, classic rock. Well, to be a little know, fair to you, we all did not voluntarily. Right. Right. With now, the exception of MTV, if you're in the car, your dad's controlling the radio. Right. Chances are, if you're at home, your mom was either controlling VH1 or because the MTV music wasn't their crowd. And so, yes, yeah. by proxy, we did listen to now whether or not you enjoyed it or not, that's going to be different for everybody. But you kind of enjoyed their music? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I still do. What um, were they listening to? It would have been, you know, stuff like Southern Rock or like, you know, 38 Special, the Eagles, the uh, ACDCs, the um, Led Zeppelins, you know, things like that. Your, your, your typical 60s, 70s, and 80s rock bands. Well, see, and, that's kind of where I was. My parents liked The Who. They liked some of the old school, but they were starting to get into their pre-90s. Remember in the 90s country scene? Coming from Kentucky, my parents were early. My parents were early adopters of the early '90s, or late mid '80s and '90s country scene. And so when we were in the car, it was a lot of restless heart, and you know, uh, oh, I'm drawing blanks. I hated it so much. But like your, <laughs> your Garth Brooks, your you know, all yeah. Dolly and all that stuff, and Garth Brooks, I don't think came until later '90s. But they were into that pop 
country, and I just hated yeah. it with everything, every fiber in my being, and I just couldn't handle it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and what's what's interesting is, you know, I had that growing up, and then my brother was into, like, hard rock and metal. Mm-hmm. My brother's eight years older than I am, and my sister is seven years older than I am. And growing up, you know, I mean, it was – you know, they were in their teens and I, I, you know, being younger and whatnot. So I kind of would lean a little bit towards each genre, you know, sure. It, everything kind of tickled my fancy, so to speak. Um, you know, my brother listened to, you know, stuff like Slipknot and, and Corn and, you know, Limp Biscuit back when they were real big. See, and, this is where it's going to get hard to have this conversation because. I'm so much older than you that yeah. you just described my well corn and deftones yeah. is like my sophomore <laughs> junior year of high school. So high school. Yeah. I got I got you know I got a whole I got another whole geographical building to go through before I get to yeah. join in that conversation. <laughs> but see I, when I went in when I was in middle school like that was like most of like my elementary youth would have been like my parents kind of music i didn't really get too into music just yet but being a drummer it was kind of one of those things where like you know i like the beats i like to you know it it interested me every drum every young boy's first drum rhythm they learned was metallica's one (laughs) everybody played that on their desk in elementary school everybody yeah (laughs) what age what age Um, did you get into playing the drums I was my first kit I got when I was six or seven. Wow, that young! I thought maybe you're like the rest of us in yeah. middle school. We were forced to take music class, and like all the drums are gone, so I got stuck with the trombone. Wow. <laughs> and and what's interesting about that is is um, I don't really have any musical talent in my family. Like, really? See, mine was the other yeah. way. Everybody, my dad was in a band. My mom was in the band. My brother played trumpet. My sister did um, flute. My yeah. cousin to this day did like eight years in college to be a musical therapist. My aunts, like my whole family is music oriented, but by that point we had traveled away from our family. So it's not like we had, my dad had them, but we didn't take piano lessons or anything. So there wasn't any encouraged through lessons music at my house. We all right. had to sign up at school, but my brother played trumpet all through high school. But I, once I got out of middle school and freshman year of high school, that was it for the trombone for me. <laughs> me and the trombone, we separated ways at that point. Yeah, and it's. I think it's kind of like that for the average, you know, kid growing up. Is like, you know, you try it, eh, you're okay at it, or you know, you like it for a little while and then you quit. Well, I think that was you the know, plan of the I, curriculum, right? Let's cast a white net, scoop all these kids into this cast net, make them yeah. grab an instrument, push them through yeah. for a semester or two and see which ones stick around, and then those will be the ones who go off to join high school band and marching band. Yeah. In my experience, like, uh, I don't want to throw them under the bus, but my parents had good times on the weekends and stuff like that. They had parties, Halloween parties, Christmas parties, and, you know, it was just constant, like, you know, just people over at the house on the weekends. My parents made the effort. But they just yeah. got too busy. Like I remember when we got that, we rented that house. They went out and they bought this JC the Sears. Maybe it was Radio Shack. It was a 
stackable rack unit stereo yeah. had two 15 inch subs speaker speaker boxes regular speaker boxes but back then the 70s and 80s everybody everything was about big speakers like what you saw and oh, yeah. remember the beginning of uh, back to the future yeah. and the speakers that spicoli had in uh, his in his uh, room so they yeah. had those they had 15 inch subwoofer at the bottom mids and tweeters and they would buy all these records and made this whole inventory for all these dinner parties they were going to have. But yeah. we just moved there. My dad started working and going to school. My stepmom would start working, plus raising us. That by the time the weekends came, they were too goddamn exhausted to entertain. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, my parents, you know, they worked hard, too. It just... I was just their lifestyle. Well, it's Florida. What they did. Yeah. I mean, Ohio, it's raining and gray. So fuck it. Let's work late, make some money, and we'll get a blockbuster video and watch some movies. We're not going to have a dinner party, invite a bunch of assholes from work that we already spend way too much time around. Yeah. (laughs) And it's different, too. As an adult, when you move to a new city, that's it. The only friends you have are the people you're working with. And if you're working around as fuckers yeah. 55, 60 hours a week, last thing you want to is see them at your house on Saturday. Hang out with them. Whereas yeah, if, you, exactly. if you're if you an adult in the town in which you grew up with, there's a good chance you still talk to three of the three of the 500 people you knew in high school. Yeah, exactly. But I can remember numerous nights, you know, Friday nights or Saturday nights, I'd be, you know, I'd have to go to bed and, you know, the party was still going. And I could hear it. And a lot of times they had live bands. Really? And it was, a, yeah, it was always a buddy that had a band that would bring all the guys over and they would play till, you know, 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. And I remember this one dude, I won't say his name, but um, he was the biggest influence for the drums in my life because his kit was always at our house. Oh, okay. So, so he, he didn't have a place to hang his hat or his symbol stand for that matter. <laughs> so by default, it was at your dad's living room. Pretty much. I mean, you know, when the, when parties were involved, sure. yeah, I mean, if it, if it got any longer than, you know, a couple of days, he'd come get them or whatever and, and take them out. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it was, that was my first, like I had an infatuation, I guess, uh, with it. It was it was so interesting to me how, you know, it, notes are one thing. You know, you can make beautiful melodies and stuff like that. But what I wanted to do was just make beats and play fast. That's all I wanted to do. And um, and you know, being in that type of setting, you know, that that kind of pushed me into, you know asking my parents when I was real young, like I said, six or seven for a kit and they got one for me. Now, did they get you a real kit? Well, I'm sure they did because your dad was in a band. I was going to say, or did they get you one of those kitty kits out of the back of the Sears catalog? My dad wasn't in a band. But he knew people. Uh, He knew people. But um, he took me, there was a place on Del Prado called Educator's Music. Which was still there up until like probably six years ago. (laughs) Now it's on uh, Pine Island Road. Oh, okay, because they um, moved down the street because they were right across the street from the middle school and high school, which or middle school and elementary yeah. school, which made perfect sense. Hence the name. Yeah, but yeah. then, then and uh, I'll never forget. We walked in there. My brother, my brother was in middle and high school band. Mm-hmm. He played the sax, and then sax he was man. In, yeah, and then he was in um, a rock band, and he played bass. So 
slapping the base. You know, that that was a little, you know, another step in the direction. You know what I mean? Was mm-hmm. like, okay, my brother plays. I want to be like my brother. And, you know, but I didn't want to play bass and I didn't want to play saxophone or anything like that. I wanted a drum kit. So we went to educators. I picked it out. It was a pretty blue, like, pearlescent color. Wasn't a real, like, advanced kit. It was a beginner kit. I think it cost, like, 300 or 600 bucks or probably only 300 bucks and it had the shittiest symbols in the world it had the shittiest drum heads on them but i fucking loved it mm-hmm. it was my favorite thing in the world and the, i guess the downfall was me constantly wanting to play them and annoying the shit out of everybody in the house. It's not your dad's fault for not buying sanity savers. That's on him. (laughs) (laughs) But there was no sanity uh, savers for um, symbols. Yeah. So Um, before we get further down your live music genre, let's go back a little bit. So in elementary school, you're listening to the music that I was listening to in middle school. I mean, high school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so... We're going to go back to mine a little bit so that the timelines line up a little bit. And so by the time I got into middle school, and this is where we've kind of broached on a subject before about how we understand why music gatekeeping is bad, but we understand. Right. <laughs> Not saying I agree with it, but I understand. Um, and that is when you're, so now I'm in middle school, but my brother's in high school. And skateboarding still is underground. And so we recently, they opened up a skate park in downtown Columbus called Dutch Skate Park. And so my brother was driving at this point and he was spending a lot of time down there. And him and his buddies would also go skate downtown Columbus on OSU campus. Go skate the Wexner Center and everywhere else. And down there were all the college music stores. All the shit you're not going to hear on the radio. And the one place we always frequented was a place called Magnolia Thunder Pussy. And on the sign <laughs> was a cat with sunglasses, so Magnolia Thundercat, but they called it Pussy. And they had all the CDs, <laughs> all the imports, all the T-shirts. And at that point, Gordon started listening. You know, we, we did the heavy metal thing all through elementary school. Moved to Grove City, influences changed. Hanging around with less hoods. Because the financial system went up. So now we went from living amongst upper lower class and lower middle class to lower middle class, middle middle class, and people on the border being upper middle class where they should be living in Hilliard, but they're still living in Grove City. Right. Uh, Basically, for Southwest terms, they're still living in Cape Coral when they they probably can handle Naples. Same thing. Right. Um, (laughs) And so Gordon starts... He starts finding out these local groups like Pika Huss and this and that. And starts listening to still listening to the punk stuff, but he meets a guy named Turtle, and Turtle introduces him to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. Now this isn't the Red Hot Chili Peppers of Under the Bridge and fucking Give It Away. That album w- won't be out for another fucking four years. This is the day of Uplift Mojo, Party Plan, Mother's Milk, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Red Hot Chili Peppers. This was the pinnacle days of they weren't getting radio play. They were still right playing live acts with socks on the cocks. And the only place you'd ever seen them was in the skateboard movie called thrashing. They were in that. And so we started listening to this crazy funk, you know, the dirty, dirty boy sitting on a koi, beeping and choiping and eating dirty white ones. Long came Obi saw 30 dirty boys sitting on a koi, beating dirty worms and eating, laughing and being all disturbed. 
boy, was he destroyed. Look at that turtle go, bro. And they bump, heavy bass lines, bump, bump. It's just, it's early Red Hot Chili Peppers was like white P-Funk. So it was that craziness. And that's, yeah. meanwhile, over at school, people are listening to, at this point, we're in the 90s. And so we're, uh, actually, no, I'm still in middle school this time. And so it's still the Skid Row, the Bon Jovi, now, I, you know, Ice Ice Baby, um, I can't, uh, Boys to Men were kind of getting big by that point. Um, whatever you saw on Mad TV and Saturday Night Live, Sinead O'Connor, um, yeah. that, that country guy singing that song right now, um, You Got a Fast Car? That was a, that's a uh, cover song. Yeah, that's Tracy a cover Chapman. song. Tra- that song on Tracy Chapman was huge at the time. I remember, and I love, I, I'm a, I love that Tracy Chapman version. I remember watching her sing that on Saturday Night Live, on Comedy Central, and all that stuff. Yeah. And so all that stuff was out. But I was now still listening to the Metallica, still listening to Suicidal Tendencies, Anthrax, um, DRI. But now comes the the more quote unquote alternative influence. So now we're listening to Red Hot Chili Peppers, Faith No More. We're listening to Violent Femmes. Dead Milkmen come into our lives. So now we're listening to that skate music. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dead Milkmen Primus. Pri- uh, <laughs> um, trying to think of some of the more Dada, which if you listen to Adam Carolla, they just had the drummer from Dada on, and I just had like all these flashbacks from like <laughs> my middle school and early high, high school year. And so right. the music was changing. We're still skateboarding, and now we're – we're listening to that, but here's the rub. And this is what I talked about when I talked about gatekeeping earlier. So Gordon's in high school, hanging out down in colleges. Nobody knew what Doc Martens were. Only people who were in Doc Martens are people who listen to industrial music and punk music. And there was a shoe store down there called Avalon Shoe Salon. And I remember Gordon borrowed a pair of blue Doc Martens from a buddy of his, which I ended up stealing. So I had stole his blue, bright blue, Eight-eyed Doc Martens. <laughs> no one outside of the Barnum and Bailey circus are wearing bright-colored leather, big-toed boots out in public. This wasn't <laughs> a thing. This isn't like you see the kids walking around the mall. This wasn't like five years later when Clarissa explains it all is wearing this shit on TV. No, no one's wearing it. Yeah. So I'm going to school wearing bright blue leather boots. I got a black T-shirt with a big fucking lowercase orange and yellow N on it, and on the back said "Broken." What's the end for? Nerd. Now, keep in mind, it's middle school, so middle school humor. What's up, nerd? Wearing the Red Hot Chili Peppers logo and, and, you know, Mother's Milk. And, like, what's that? Red Hot Chili what? And so I'm, like, now I'm out skateboarding. I'm trying to mind my own business. Now I'm coming to school getting made fun of for having a giant N on my shirt because no one knew who Nine Inch Nails were because Downward Spiral hadn't come out yet. Yeah. This was broken. So I was wearing, and then the blue one for Fix. They, They were the limited press albums. So I'm getting railed on for the music I listen to, getting railed on for the fact that I have a learning disability, <laughs> still in the janitor <laughs> closets for five hours out, five classes out of the day. I have these huge words, Waldo plastic frames on. My chin's bigger than the rest of my body. I haven't grown in my head yet. <laughs> I was so skinny as a child, my dad took me to the doctor because he thought when my mom had custody of me, I was malnourished. But no, my metabolism was so high. I was... I weighed 175 pounds until I was 25. I'm six foot five. I look like a fucking heroin addict until I was, because my, not only is my metabolism high, but now I'm skateboarding all the time. So what, right. uh, all the shit I'm consuming at school, the Mountain Dews, the, all that shit, I'm just out 
from the time I get home from school to the time it's dark, I'm just out in the street in Ohio in the summertime. And even in the wintertime, if it, long as it was, if it wasn't raining or snowing, if there was not moisture on the ground, I was just burning his calories. Yeah. And so I was, you know, and I'm just, my hair kind of just this brown, almost kind of a comb over in the front. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with it yet. It's just there. <laughs> I got hats on. It's curling out. I'm wearing hats backwards at this time. And so I'm still not getting love. I still have nothing to relate to people with at school about my music choices. They're all singing whatever they're, the you know, going to school dances. And I'm, I'm like, if I get forced to go to a school dance, I think in middle school, I got excited if Guns N' Roses November Rain came on because there was a breakdown where we can actually headbang. That's the one thing no one talks about. You know, we hear about all these concussions from these football players. No one's done a long-term study of the hoods and the headbangers who grew up from the 80s until the 90s who spent Metal hours heads. literally headbanging like beef somebody. I bet that's why I have <laughs> fucking neck issues to this day because at any any time out in public, a song came on just like beef somebody had. We're fucking headbanging and our yep. necks hurt for three days. I'm sure if I would have listened to different music, I'd probably have a better neck than I do now. <laughs> and so we were getting absolutely no love. But the other thing is too, is the music we listened to had a lot of anger in it. Yeah. Punk music, heavy metal music. Because we're going through that shit as kids. Our parents are divorced. My mom lives in Kentucky. My dad and my stepmom are working all the time. You young cats who watch TikTok, you're learning about what latchkey kids were. That was me. Um, I explained to my daughter when I wake her up at 6.30 in the morning, who's now a sophomore in high school, who complains. I'm like... Yo, I was responsible for waking myself up since second grade, <laughs> you know, yeah. walked my shit to school, walked home as we talked two weeks ago, made dinner all the time. We were free range kids. Our parents were too busy working. And so not that they were, but being a child, you're saying your parents are never around. They hate you. They're neglecting you. Fuck them. You know, you, you, you have this social outcry you know you listen to rebellious music you know don't trust the government question the answers and this and that and you're out skateboarding got people honking at you telling the fuck off because you're skateboarding and right. so you're just pissed off and so you don't and plus being a young dude your hormones are all over the place your anger's all over the place you don't know how to process this stuff so you you look for music that you can kind of relate to and so that really helped and it still does nowadays i mean you see it all the time um, I remember I got annoyed one time because when my Katie came to move down with me here after she graduated high school, she would always be living in her earbuds in a car, driving earbuds. Yep. But one day we're driving and I look down and she's listening to Watsky on her phone. I'm listening to Watsky on my phone through my radio. I tapped on shore and said, we're listening to the same fucking artist. Why don't you take out your <laughs> earbuds and enjoy the moment with my da your dad? We're driving yeah. down the road. I'm listening to the artist that you're like, take your headphones off. Let's share the moment of this drive windows down. She gave it about 45 seconds and plop, put the earbuds back in and went away. And so I get it. But, and that's the thing though, is through those times, whether you're pissed off at your parents, you're having a hard time with kids at school, the music not only soothes you, but it creates memories and it also creates a stamp in time to this it's day. You'll hear there. Yes. And that's it's why they're there to go to. And that's why they say people who are suffering from Alzheimer's, the one thing you can do for them is play music because it's deep in their cortexes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and that that was your transition into like middle schoolish era. Yeah, so that's middle school. Yeah. And and real quick, just to keep the timeline straight, at this point, I'm going down to Kentucky to visit my mom. Right. And at the, I think she's in her 30s at this point, late 30s. She's trying to find her way in the world, you know. As a 40-year-old now, I saw the way I lived when I was 30. So she had, you know, her, her group of friends around. And they're kind of like your parents were doing, but to the extreme. As in they yeah. didn't have work. <laughs> they just sat around in the trailer my grandmother provided in the hills of Kentucky when I'm down there just blowing through two or three, four cases of Budweiser night, playing Euchre, drinking, and listening to Whalen and listening to all the outlaw country stuff and Bob Seger. Yeah. But I didn't get a chance to appreciate listening to Willie, Whalen, mm -hmm. and the boys, Bob Seger, because the loud volume and perceived violence that came from three drunks sitting in the, or four drunks sitting in the kitchen playing euchre, yelling at each other when someone loses the pot. You're in middle school. You're in elementary school. You don't understand that that loud drinking environment is not violence. It just, it comes off that way. And yeah. drunk, belligerent people can seem frightening. Yeah. And so while they're out in the living room or when we were staying in the, the shack with no plumbing um, and they're in the kitchen and I'm laying in the back room in the bunk bed that was probably from 1932 wondering if I'm going to have a snake fall on my head. <laughs> I'm hearing this craziness going out outside or I would hear the late night phone calls where one of them got drunk and got picked up and was in jail and just the negativity that came from that. And so for the longest time, between that outlaw country and the fact that, and I'm just, a lot of this just, occurring to me now um being around that version of the country and plus the god-awful pop version that my dad and stepmom were listening to when driving me to kentucky <laughs> i used my you asked me what i listen to now i say i listen to everything but back then my thing was i listen to everything but country that was my caveat that was my big rubber stamp on my fucking playlist everything but country <coughs> even though at that time it wasn't everything because i wasn't in the hip-hop yet and right. so i so we had the bleed over from elementary school. We had the anthrax, the testament, the nuclear assault, the suicidal tendencies, the DRI, yada, yada, yada. Then, as for mentioned, we learned about early Red Hot Chili Peppers, Nine Inch Nails, Skinny Puppy had fallen into play at this point. Uh, ministry had fallen into play at this point. Um, I remember I went to go stay with my aunt in Terre Haute, uh, Indiana, and my uncle owned the Z-Bart in Terre Haute, which just so happens to be the Z-Bart that Bubba the Love Sponge worked at when he first got started in radio. Really, And I was there with a ministry shirt on. This was my ninth grade year. And, and one of my uncle's employees was a, a church going fella. He's like, oh, ministry. You, you down for the good word? <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure. Because he didn't realize what ministry. What you <laughs> But yeah, no, this is this guy named Al Jorgensen. really into heroin and <laughs> craziness. But, <laughs> um, and so I we started getting into that stuff right around middle school time. And so, yeah, a lot of Primus, um, more a lot more heavier stuff too um and just just being shits man <laughs> i mean i was yeah. uh, i was just god me at 13 14 years old and then like when i was downstairs my mom hang out my cousins same age fucking have mercy on whatever adult was around us <laughs> 
my transition into middle school was I got introduced to the Juggalo world. And the, okay, but see, this is this is where I'm gonna be a real stickler on this. What year? <laughs> because there's a difference between 1994 Riddlebox Juggalos and 2000 fucking five the Jekyll brothers wearing super big parachute pants and dressing like a goth kid. No, <coughs> I wasn't, I wasn't into that scene. That wasn't my thing. Um, I was introduced to it in around 2000. What album was out at the time? That would have been hell's pit. Okay. So yeah, they're way past their prime. They're on what I prefer yeah. to as the downward slide. <laughs> yes. I was lucky now, enough to be an OG juggalo from way back, and I got them on the I got them on the upward. I jumped onto them between Riddlebox and um, sorry, right, basically Ringmaster Riddlebox right before Malenko came out. Yeah, and you know, I got introduced to that from actually um, uh, Tyler, who's in the group chat for the uh, Bachelor stuff. Okay, um, he moved in across the street from me. Um, and I, as as a kid, I was very shy, was not, you know, interested in going up to people and meeting people or anything like that, shaking hands and introdu introductions, all that shit. Pat your bald head so, and throw your nubs in the air. <laughs> do what? It's a pat your bald head and throw your nubs in the air. Yeah. So I remember my parents, you know, they were like, hey, you know, there's there's a kid over there across the street. And I was like, oh, OK. And they were like, go over there but I don't want to. You're going to go over there. Damn it, okay. Chad. So I went over there. I knocked on the door. His mom answered the, answered the, I almost said phone. His mom answered the door. Hello. And she, and she was like, hi, are you Michael? And I was like, Fuck. yeah. She's like, oh, I talked to your parents the other day or something like that. She was like, Tyler's in his room. They're from uh, New York. So she was like, Tyler's in his room. And I was like, okay. So I went into the room and didn't say really two words to me. I walked into the room. It was him and, and a friend that um, uh, he had before I met him uh, when they lived at their old uh, place. And they were playing Spider-Man on PlayStation. Okay. And I sat down on, he had two beds in his room. I sat down on the bed and he was like, what's up? I was like, how much? What's up? He was like, you play games? I was like, sure. <laughs> I mean, I had I had uh, uh, PlayStation and um, I think at the time I had, an, I had an Xbox and stuff like that. But um, uh, and that that was just that was the start of our friendship, and that was my introduction into ICP and the Juggalos and you know all that kind of stuff. Was, what was the came, first album he played? I think Riddlebox was the first one. Yeah, good choice. Um, and Riddlebox, even though I came in late to the game, Riddlebox is actually one of my favorite albums. Yeah, Riddlebox. Out of the Joker's cards, Riddlebox and Ringmaster. But yeah. I, I am greatly fond of Terror Wheel, mm -hmm. Tunnel of Love, and uh, oh shit, um, Terror and um, I really like the in between albums. The EPs, yeah, and uh, yeah. fuck off, Shaggy's fuck off, fuck the, the fuck off, yep, yeah. yeah, 
and um, yeah, so I mean, I I got really into it. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't like, you know, I didn't have, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of money when I was growing up, so it wasn't like I had a bunch of their posters or any of their shirts or anything like that. Like, I still have a jersey in my closet from, I think Hell's Pit, and that was given to me by a friend of mine. That's an expensive gift. $140. 15 years ago, I yeah. think. Yeah. And and he was like, oh, yeah, I got like 10 of them. You can have this one. I was like, sweet. Fuck. I'll fucking take it. And Hell's Pit is actually one of my one of my other favorite albums by then. I'd say the first deck of Joker's cars are obviously going to be the best one. Carnival Carnage, too. Yeah. I, I played the shit out of Carnival Carnage. That was awesome. Then, I, I, that was my favorite logo out of all of them, too. When I moved, um, and that was all throughout, you know, middle school here. Um, I moved to North Carolina back in 2007, and in 2007 they came out. They had an EP called The Calm, and then after that they came out with an, a full-length album uh, called The Tempest. And The Tempest, the only reason why I liked that album was because it was nostalgic for me. Because it came out right before I moved. I gotcha. And I was like sad and, you know, disappointed because all my friends and, you know, things like that. We we hung out, we'd sit there and listen to it and rap to the songs and whatever. But um that was pretty much I mean, aside from your typical pop stuff, I mean I listened to the you know, the stuff that was out at the time, which would have been I don't know, like Lil John, Ying Yang Twins. Mm-hmm. 50 you know, cent typical you know, 50 cent eminem ludicrous is gonna be big at that time yep yep all that all that normal bubba sparks was kind of floating around a couple of his songs um yeah the mid early to mid 2000 that was a big know. jay-z puffed out era too yeah so tupac was gone um biggie was gone yeah and so you had you know um Jay-Z, Puff Daddy, um, Little Kim, yeah. Pussy Cat Dolls were dancing around. Um, Black Eyed Peas were big at that time. Yeah. And, and all that stuff. And but yeah, I, I mean, I, I got into, you know, I got immersed into that whole world of, as far as the Juggalo stuff goes. If I your mean, child is immersed into that world, your child's got some fucking problems they're trying to deal with. Yeah. And this is coming Absolutely. from somebody who was in that world for like fucking fifteen years. Yeah, I was I was a part of it for. God, I didn't actually go to my first concert until I was in my twenties. I was a I was a th- freshman in high school. So let's get into that timeline. So now, Red Hot Chili Peppers has been added on, Primus. Um, I get in the ninth grade. My brother graduates here before. So my um, when I'm in eighth grade, Gordon's a senior. He graduates and takes off. Or maybe I'm in seventh grade. He graduates. Yeah, I think that's how it would have worked. Yeah, because he graduated in 93 when I was in seventh grade. So, yeah. Maybe eighth grade. No, it was in seventh grade. Yeah. And so by this point, we're still skateboarding. We're still in all that stuff. Um, now I'm picking up. Um, my music's transitioning some. I'm. Still listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're about to take that somewhere else. Hey, go on, get <laughs> <laughs> that Bailey. 
and Jasper that they're fighting each other. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so now I'm starting to get in this. Uh, oh god. Down by law. More more heavier punk stuff. Um, starting no actually what well we're doing high school as a as a whole. Um, later yeah. on I got into Fugazi. Um. Corn. Now this is before radio play. This was Corn's first album with Clown on it. Um, all all the, all the hits. Fist, chi. Yeah, Deftones. The one with the um the baby booger picker thing on the nose. Yeah, you had a fire truck on there. Um, all of them. And early Limp Bizkit. We're not talking about did it all for the nookie. We're talking about their first album. Cold Chamber, bill, y'all. Cold Chamber. Um, at that point, Frog and I were going. Hey, stop! Frog and I were going to a lot of um, concerts at Al Roseville, seeing a lot of. Um, I know we hadn't at this point. Gordon took me to my first concert. To get back on track. Yeah, he took me to see Pigface open. Uh, Pigface was first out, first band I saw. Because um, at this point, we're in a ministry, as I said before, Nine Inch Nails, Skinny Puppy, the industrial scene. Um, Einstein Neubotten, there's a name you probably haven't heard of, <laughs> I'm a German industrial band. <laughs> and so he takes me down to Newport Music Hall to see Pigface. Now, Pigface was kind of like a super group. Um, Trent Reznor was in it, but not on the iteration of the tour we saw. The tour we saw had Ogre from Skinny Puppy as the front man. The bass player for my life with a Thrill Kill Cult. Um, two drummers. First time I'd ever seen two drummers play simultaneously. I can't remember really? what groups they were. Um, Flea had been sat in with an album, not on this tour. Um, but the main front man for this tour was Ogre from Skinny Puppy. And when you're in a smaller venue and you got two bass drums playing with double kick drums, <laughs> it just... It does some, and so uh, this is my first time experiencing industrial music live, and it's and it's fucking everything you want it to be, and so that was great. And so now I'm listening to Pig Face, I'm listening to more Skinny Puppy, listening to Nine Inch Nails, and this guy comes around, this, this new guy, Trent, uh, Marilyn Manson comes around. I pick up his first album, and then my second concert was Clutch, <laughs> which is still kind of heavy. This was. Um, the one the album premiere with the globe on it. One had Star um, Swinger on it. It had Escape from the Prison Planet. That you was know, uh there was their self titled clutch. Two, the first two songs were uh Big News and Big News Two. Yes. Yeah. You want to talk about a mosh pit that would kick your dick in. <laughs> <laughs> Mid nineties clutch concert. Um I did get a I did get a Two years later, I would get a bloody nose at a mosh pit for Corn, but Corn was still nobody. Corn yeah. was playing, and this isn't going to help anybody across the country, but here in Southwest Florida, Corn was playing at Al Rosa Villa, which, as I've said before, would be like, could you imagine seeing Limp Biscuit and Corn play at the Buddha? That's how small wow. this venue was. Wow. Um, for okay. reference, Al Rosa Villa is the venue where Dimebag Daryl was murdered 10 years later. That's how small it was, which is why that's a sad story in of itself. And so yeah. now I'm listening, to, I'm going to concerts. I'm listen, 
seeing Clutch in concert, dealing with those mosh pits. Yeah, I got into moshing and crowd surfing early, and I'm not. T- this ain't the early 2000 frat boy pogo jumping, yeah, and pushing each other like you're in a pillow fight. This was the circle moshing, stomping, throwing of the hands, elbows. I mean, you'd walk out of there and you have bruised ribs. Like I said, I got yeah. bloody noses before, black eyes, but I was always tall, and so. A lot of body shots for you. <laughs> a lot of body shots, few head shots. Um, later on, one of my crown achievements is I did get on a stage for uh, Great Malenko and crowd surfed at Newport Music Hall for ICP's nice. Great Malenko. So I was up there with Shaggy and um, face painted, whole thing, T-shirt, crowd surfed. Um, but yeah, so at that point, I hadn't gotten an ICP yet. I was listening to this heavy industrial stuff. And then obviously the corn Limp Biscuit, which was a different style of music, right? More yeah. bass driven, more West coast kind of had some rap influences buried into it with the, the bass, especially Limp <clears throat> Biscuit. They put a lot of, um, digital bass in their stuff because uh, as of, they, as they, as they ended up calling it later on new metal because of their keyboardist. Yeah. Uh, not, well, keyboardist and the guitar player. He's just a weird cat. Well, and DJ Lethal from House of Pain. I was real big in House yep. of Pain. I was listening to House of Pain by then, Lords of Brooklyn. Um, this is Columbus, Ohio, so big in the Bone Thugs and Harmony. So that's where my hip-hop influence came. So at that, my, I guess my transition, and back up a little bit, because back then everything was tribal. If you listen to punk rock, you're not going to listen to fucking New Kids on the Block. Your yeah. buddies would kick your ass. If you're, you, you might listen a little bit of heavy metal, but usually you had the diehard hair bands like the like the Eddie Kid or whatever the hell his name is and Stranger Things. He's a hood. He's yeah. basically what we called a hood in the eighties. Hair bands, metal, and all that stuff. But when Anthrax teamed up with um, Public Enemy for Attack of the Killer Bees, yeah. actually before that you had On the Man. So when On the Man came out, and God, that was early 90s, Anthrax and Public Enemy, that was kind of my hey into rap. And then obviously you had the Aerosmith run DMC stuff. Yeah. But I wasn't big into, I didn't know about the underground hip-hop scene, right? So I wasn't hip to Tribe Called Quest yet. Wasn't hip to, you know, any of that stuff. When, in middle school and high school, when you thought hip-hop music, you thought MC Hammer and whatever they're playing on MTV. Ice Cube sure. really hasn't made that transition yet. I'm talking like middle school, early high school. Just the worst, derived, just horrible pop 40 hip-hop. It was just garbage. More R&B, really, than hip-hop. Yeah. But by this time, um, I was also listening to some of the hippie stuff. I was listening to Spin Doctors. I still got... I, I, like, through that early 90s phase, I went to Spin Doctors, uh, Black Crows... Counting Crows, Tom Petty, uh, had my Pink Floyd stage. Uh, I like Pink Floyd more than I did Zeppelin. So, you know, it's funny. <laughs> the Jewish community have bar mitzvahs. That's how, mm-hmm. that's when a young, and bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah, that's how when the male and female transition from childhood into teenage years. Yeah. We are what the, the Jews call goyims. <laughs> and what we have is how you know, at least in the, at least maybe up until 2000s. I don't know. You have a young boy. Maybe you can confirm or deny this. But there was a period of about 20 years that when every boy turned about 13, he got a lava lamp, 
a black light, start listening to the Beatles, the Doors, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, ACDC. There was just this phase that every 13-year-old white kid went through. And so I went through those phases too. I had the Doors albums. I listen. I really yep. didn't get heavily into the Beatles. I was more into Pink Floyd and the Doors. I was more, you know, they're kind of more. The, so anyhow, so I got all that flowing in the background too, right? Everything but country. <laughs> so I had the Doors. I had Spin Doctors. I had Screaming Trees, Pearl Jam. I picked up on Nirvana in eighth grade. So not only was I wearing shirts that had ends on it, I'm hanging out with this weirdo named Ray who had a shirt that said Bleach on it. And no one knows what Nirvana <laughs> is. It smells like Teen yeah. Spirit hadn't come out yet. So where are these weirdos listening to this weird music? And so the transition to high school comes along. Getting made fun of for listening to Nirvana. Getting made fun of, which is insane now because young kids listen to this. These are all huge yeah. bands. But back then they were fucking nobody. And you were nobody for listening to nobodies. Yeah. Getting made fun of wearing these weird shirts. Well, Smell Like Teen Spirit came out. They kind of got big, but in that community, not so much. It was still kind of like the pop. It was the popular rock stuff, but the yeah. the cool kids weren't listening too much to that. Not until later. I'll get in that yeah. later. But um, right around that time, Downward Spiral came out. I want to fuck you like an animal. Hurt. All the Nine Inch Nails songs, they start playing on MTV. So now more and more people are the same people who made fun of me and called me the nerd for wearing... Uh, downward spiral t-shirt i mean not downward spiral but pretty hate machine shirts and broken to fix now they're wearing downward spiral shirts and they're going back and buying the reprints of basically the same dicks who made fun of me for wearing that shit's now wearing it because it's 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 getting mtv play it's commercially it's, acceptable. it's commercially acceptable in that that metal community yeah and under the bridge comes out oh fuck right out chili peppers they're so dreamy <laughs> Give it away. Give it away now. And so all the people made fun of me for wearing the Red Hot Chili Pepper shirts. They're all fucking loving um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Red Hot Chili Peppers. This kind of goes back to what I say when I understand why gatekeeping's bad, but I understand. <laughs> when you get ridiculed <laughs> for years for listening to these groups that are great, but no one wants to listen to you knowing that they're great because no one else has listened to them and it's not cool. And then those, so, those same people who made your life a living hell is now sporting that same product. You get a little bitter about it. Yeah. Absolutely. But back to it. So now um, I meet this guy named Steve. He comes from parts of Ohio, and he introduced me to Wu-Tang Clan. So now I'm driving around. Still got CDs of the, <laughs> the Pantera. You know, that's, Texas that's the Cowboys from Hell. Children. You know, got the Metallica albums in the CD player. Got the um, DRI stuff. Got their old school Red Hot Chili Peppers. Got this and that. And now I'm throwing in Wu-Tang Clan, Bone Thugs and Harmony. Yeah. Um, but I'm still more primarily into the skate scene stuff. Sure. And then I hear this song. I think I heard it at Media Play. No, I heard it late night on MTV. It was when the remake of Chicken Hunting came out, the rock version of it, not the, the head, not the Ringmaster head, version, the, but the Headhunters remix. Yeah, the Headhunters remix on Riddlebox. Yeah. When I heard that, because it had that punk rock, boom, 
had the bass that I'm liking from, I was listening to DMX at the time too. So you got the bass that I like from DMX and I'm listening to early Kid Rock. Yeah. Um, I heard about him from somebody. This was Kid Rock when he was like a Beastie Boy. Oh, by the way, I was listening to the Beastie Boys before, you know, back when Paul's, t- you know, when we were skateboarding, we're listening to Paul's Boutique and Check Your Head. People didn't pick up, no one, people didn't get into the Beastie Boy campaign until Ill Communication came out. So we're listening to, you know, except for when we were in elementary school, you know, you got to fight for right to party. That was an anthem because that was everywhere. But yeah. once License to Ill died off, that was it for the Beastie Boys as far as mainstream went. No one cared. Paul's Boutique, even though it was cited as their best album to this day, was a commercial flop when it first came out. People right. didn't go back and listen to Paul's Boutique until uh, Check Your Head, uh, Ill Communication came out. Then Check Your Head, some, got the Beastie Boys in there, got, you know, some of the, the rap going dmx wu-tang clan bone thugs and harmony um uh, but not not a wide stream of it and then i hear chicken hunting and so now you got a kid who spent his summer times in kentucky sometimes not around the most welcoming community let's just say <laughs> and My then time. i'm growing up in ohio around a mixture of people you got the everyone welcome under our big tent and you got the not so welcoming community <laughs> seeing what i saw and experience what i saw which i didn't get too much into it but there were some troublesome real troublesome nights with on my mom's side with some of the people she hung out with yeah and so here i am still raising myself got a car now out driving around getting into trouble barely making a school trying to find my way in the world but dealing with demons demons that were embedded in me by people from the tri-state area some from indiana some from kentucky and you know some peer groups in ohio and so i'm hearing this chicken hunting song heading down a trail i'm going chicken hunting chopping rednecks chicken necks i ain't saying nothing to the hillbilly stick my barrel in his eye boom shaka boom shaka hair chunks in the sky I am a teenager who spends his time in Kentucky, spends his time in Ohio. I'm angry at everybody. Mm-hmm. I, for the longest time, and I've gotten over it, I no longer do this, but to be honest, for the longest time, I, people always look for a place to pin their, their problems, their troubles. And mine was on a geographical location type of people. So now here I am, this cool fucking city slicker who left those people down there. And there's people who cause drama and who flew certain type of flags on their walls. And mm-hmm. I, I hear the song about chopping chicken necks, and the hillbillies, and the racist. I'm like, ooh, I'm down for this. Let's kill some fucking racists. <laughs> and then I discover Carnival of Carnage mm-hmm. with my beloved anthem, Fuck Your Rebel Flag. <laughs> now, this would come into play later on, fast forward a little bit, when I'm... 21 working at Horton Emergency Vehicles. There are people who drive to this beacon of employment from all out the tri-state area. We got cats who literally drive three hours a day just so they can live in southern Ohio where property value, you know, they're they're probably at the time in 2001 paying $200 a month in a mortgage payment, whereas to live up there you're paying $900 a month, so it was worth it to them, not to mention cost of living, to make that travel. But with those people come from those communities come a certain mentality. 
And a lot of those cats had certain flags on their car. And so I would make it a point of mine to pull up to the front door in my sweet ass used 1996 S LX with two Sherwin Vega 15s and a Phoenix gold amp in the hatchback, leave the <laughs> car running, open my door, walk past all of them outside smoking to go clock in while blaring every morning, sync up the course, Carnival of Carnage is fuck your rubble flag. <laughs> <laughs> and I would do that just because fuck them, right? And so, and that's why I, I, I kind of went back and said, if you have a young teen listening to ICP, they're going through some shit. They're going through some <laughs> shit, and it's relatable music. Yeah. Um, what I tell people, what Joseph Bruce and Joseph Uxler did for horror rap was no different, and I know people are going to shit themselves when I say this, but it's the fucking truth. The, seven, the, the six Jokers cards is to underground hip-hop what the Who's Tommy was to rock opera in the 70s. And that's all it is. It's, a, yep. it's an audible version of a comic book set to hip-hop music. Yep. It's no different than singing about the pinball wizard, except for they're singing about a make-believe character to 70s, whatever you want to call that style of music. Yeah. Um, Pink Floyd, The Wall. After watching the movie, you realize all those songs are telling a story. It's a rock mm -hmm. opera. And so when people listen to the, when people read the words and not actually listen to the songs and the meaning behind the songs, they just take the, oh, they're talking about killing people. Yeah. Yes, but they're talking about killing people through the context that they are, this is a comic book and this is the apocalypse. And this yeah. is this is the joke. This is what people don't get about ICP. They didn't mean this to be a joke. The entire six Joker cards was a rap opera equivalent remake, remastered edition of the Book of Revelation straight out of the Bible. Yeah. It's about the apocalypse. Instead of the four horsemen coming down to judge you on your sins, and then the trumpets play, the Christians go up to heaven, all the sinners are left to atone for their sins, right? That's mm -hmm. what we learn about in the Bible. In the ICP universe, the Dark Carnival comes to town. All the Christians and children and innocent people, they go up to, they go to the carnival. They go to heaven. All the people left around have to answer for their sins through the ringmaster, then onto the riddle box, then onto the great Malenko. And so when I say it's ironic is because, especially at that time, we kind of talked about it on the censorship episode. People yeah. were taking words out of context. And so you had the Christian coalition, and this is great. This is fantastic. I'm 45 years old. I'm an old school juggler from way back. And that is why I don't understand the undying love that your generation and Generation Z has for the Walt Disney Company. <laughs> I have all I have this I didn't mean for this to turn into an ICP episode, but it is what it is. I have Carnival Carnage, Ringmaster, Malenko, and Riddlebox all on the original press on Island Records before they got kicked off. Really? Every one of them. 
Holy shit. Those what, are rare. <laughs> for what people don't understand is when the Malenko came out, that song people hear on TikTok, you went through years ago, the Nen game. People played a clip mm-hmm. here. There's um, Under the Moon. And what was the third one? Yeah, the Nen game, Under the Moon. And I think there was a third song that they really didn't like. And the Christian Coalition went to Disney, much like we're seeing with Bud Light, and threatening to boycott. Yeah. And Disney at the time were a different character. <laughs> they weren't flying rebel flags. They were flying shit. We focus on children. We don't want children's groups boycotting us, so we need to kick this group off our label. Everything that disturbs me now is Disney has an entire commercial that doesn't have one child on it. It's all a bunch of fucking 20 and 30-year-olds. Oh, I love Disney. Uh. <laughs> I'm sorry. But anyhow, so Michael Eisner at the time was head of Disney, hence the ICP song later on. Michael Eisner can suck my dick if he's got some sort of problem with my shit. So if you're a young juggalo didn't know what that meant, Michael Eisner at the time was the head of Disney. He's the one who made the decision to kick them off. I have the original Malinka that does not have the Nen game on it, Under the Moon, and whatever the third song is. Or was it only two songs? I know for sure it was Nen game and Under the Moon weren't on it. But I have it. Still the original. I don't remember. And so, yeah. So, at that point, I'm I'm, I'm full-blown in the ICP. I kind of st- kind of stepped away from everything else at that point. Um, wasn't listening to too much Fregazi anymore. It was just... Carnival Carnage, Ringmaster, Super Balls, uh, Tunnel of Love, Terror Wheel, all of that just on rotation until Malenko came out. And then it all changed when Twisted came around. <laughs> and so now you're in high school. I'm in high school. <clears throat> I moved to North Carolina in eighth grade. Boogie Woogie Woo. Boogie Woogie Woo. Um, That's the third song. Under the Moon, Nen Game, and Boogie yep, Woogie Woogie. That's it. That's it. And that, believe it or not. All three great songs. <laughs> so I'm glad I, I I had to download those later because my, yeah. my copy of the album does not have the songs on it. Those are one of the top three probably most popular songs they have um, as far as mainstream and stuff like that is concerned. But going into high school for me. Um, Do you know the first song a- of theirs played on the radio? Mainstream the radio, first, the first song mm-hmm, that charted. Ooh, in the nineties. Um, ninety-seven, ninety-eight. That would have been. It would be the equivalent of ninety-three X playing this on the radio. Really? I don't know how many times had an MTV video and was played on mainstream radio. Makes sense. How many? Yep, that was, and then later, Homies got a little bit of radio play. Yeah, and that was about it. Yeah, you know, ICP was second only to Kiss when it comes to merchandise sales. Really? And considering, well, this is up until early two thousand, they've fallen off since. But considering they did that with only two songs that ever got played on the radio, <laughs> that's saying something. Yeah, and they it didn't get the heavy is. rotation that Kiss did. But back to your story. Moving into high school. Um, I'd say my transition into high school was a little weird because being from here and being in that, you know, engulfed in that kind of 
culture, I guess, you know, being a juggalo and ICP and, you know, when you, when you grow up here, I would consider now I would consider this like the big city, but not like New York or LA or Atlanta or anything like that. Tampa. Uh, yeah. I I'd say, you know, this is, it's a city, you know, but ultimately everything around Fort Myers is just a suburb of Fort Myers. Um, so it was a big culture shock to me moving up into the mountains, into this small town in, in North Carolina. And speaking of a certain demographic flying a certain flag. <laughs> yeah. And you know, there actually were juggalos there. Yeah. Well, at that and point, it, they, they had already hit mainstream popular yeah. at that point by, by the time. Yeah. I mean, but uh, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, you know, we listened to, you know, uh, no, I got you. Know, whatever, whatever was popular that you know we, we all listen to the older shit, but you know me me coming into high school it was like you know I had to try and find my place in high school. You know what was I going to be? Because when I was here, I wasn't popular. I wasn't you know popular. kind of a nerdy kid that you know I had friends that were a lot more popular than I was, and they mm -hmm. hung out with me for some reason. <laughs> so, I was kind of the same way. I floated from table to table in the lunchroom. Yeah. Went over to the the horticulture kids. Went over, uh, was good with them. The Manson fans, yeah. Hung out with the. I could go sit down with the quote unquote popular kids. Well, the mainstream kids because once again, I I knew about you know Black Crows and <laughs> Counting yeah. Crows and and Tom Petty and that side. I once again, I still wasn't listening to you know In Sync or none of that nonsense. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, when I was in middle school, I mean, I had my place and, you know, I knew where that was. But when I moved to this small town in North Carolina, it was like, who's that new kid? Mm -hmm. And it was almost like I. Who kicked Willie Bob's ass? I did. <laughs> it was almost like I reinvented myself, I mm -hmm. guess. Um, I became, you know, popular and, and I wouldn't say. Bought a new collection was... of socks. Yeah. I wouldn't say that I was popular in the sense of like, oh. You know, I can have any girl that I want. I can, you know. You could travel uh, from I'm classroom to classroom without threat of getting your ass physically assaulted. Right, right. So, you know. Because for some of us, on, that's that's what popularity was. It wasn't anything yeah. more than that. That's all we wanted. Just leave me like around alone. here, I'd say I wasn't the best. And kind of getting back to like music and drumming and stuff like that. I wasn't the best drummer around here. Mm -hmm. But up there, I was number one. And that I think is what gained a lot of my popularity is because I knew how to play and nobody else really knew how to play. Sure. And I had a, you know, I, I kind of broke out of my shell a little bit. I wasn't as shy. Um, and when I first moved there, I, I kind of was. Um, but once I got into high school and kind of got to know people and whatnot, you know, I, I kind of broke out of my shell and, and, you know, I hung out with, I didn't, I wouldn't say I hung out with, I went to school and it was like, you know, I could talk to the jocks. I could talk to the, you know, the, the uppity girls. I could talk to, you know, the, the, the burnouts and, and, you know, and I could talk to the band nerds cause I was a band nerd. You know, I could, the Hicks, what well, she said, the, the Hicks, Hicks, the dweebs, and, and, the jocks, they all think he's a righteous dude. Yeah. <laughs> and the Hicks, I mean, there were more Hicks than anything else, yeah. but, um, you know, and, and I had this weird transition where it was like I was trying to find out what my identity was. And, and I still listened to 
juggalo music and icp and stuff like that throughout high school and like tech nine and whatnot but tech nine you have to get into this sense of i need to fit in somewhere Mm -hmm. and i just got really engulfed in not redneck culture but you know the country lifestyle well and that that's going to happen when the Unless you're like 13 and you're actively rebelling against your environment, you're going to yeah. change depending on the geogra- geographical location that you live. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, and my music taste changed. I, you know, when my stepmom came into the picture, like she was, you know, classic rock and stuff like that. That was, you know, back when I was like late elementary and then up into middle school and, you know, all the way up to now when she came into the picture, she was into that country stuff, the popular country music and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Garth Brooks, my dad, yeah. Yeah. And my dad's an old, you know, rocker guy. And he, you know, he always wanted to learn how to play guitar, but you know, he never had the opportunity to, or well, he had, the, he had plenty of opportunities. He just didn't do it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, it, it, I kind of rebelled. That was my, little bit of rebellion against that was like oh country music i hate that shit Mm -hmm. it's just garbage and then getting into high school it was like okay well it's not so bad you know and it it was also becoming increasingly more popular yeah as well because for you god that would have been that was eight years ago I, i started high school in 2007 so that would have been the whole Toby Keith era and all that stuff. Yeah, and I I started high school in 2007. I graduated in 2011. So, and what's interesting about that small town is like, I had this weird idea that everything in that small town, whether you know anything that that was like, um, that would come out, I guess. In re- in the re- in the real world or in the regular world, or like in big cities or like back here or whatever, you know. Like I remember, this Lil Wayne song came out in two thousand eight, and I had come down here for summer, and we were bumping it down here, you know, doing our thing and and listening to it and whatnot. And then when I would go back up there, it was like they had no idea what the hell I was talking about. Yeah, I experienced that. I never thought about that until my my senior year junior high school you know because once i got a light my mom only lived two hours away from me yeah which was an odyssey in elementary school because i had to rely on my parents to take me down there every other weekend well when i got a truck shit that was two hour drive and fucking twenty dollars worth of gas and so it was very common i would just leave school on a friday and just drive to my mom's house right and sometimes i'd take friends down there with me but i remember we were i was down there probably my senior year, maybe my junior year of high school. And I was uh, with my cousin at a house party. And the music, like everything across the board, they were listening to was about four years behind when we were listening to it. Yeah. And it's like, you guys are only two hours away. Yeah. But different culture, different environment. They had the same MTV, they had the same radio, but they just didn't have... Their tastes progress differently. Yeah, it's slower. My dad told me this about twenty about 
eight, 15 years ago, he said he realized at some point in the 90s that country music is just rock music 20 years behind. That's that's a good way of putting it. I mean, if you think about it, we were just talking about the transition between rap and rock with ACDC and Run DMC. Yeah. Anthrax and NWA. I'm not sorry, not Public Enemy. Yeah. What? 10, 15 years ago-ish, the whole birth of country hip-hop, the transition to country merging with hip-hop. Yeah. And yeah. um, was the I probably the first mainstream country hit? Let, what's that? Let's talk about me, where he's basically doing his white boy country rap through the beginning of it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. that's that was way before. Um, well, I mean, Bubba Sparks kind of did it, but he was he was being produced by Timberland, so he was more mainstream hip hop. Um, he didn't do his country. His first album wasn't really. It was, it was more like he he was a rapper with a twang. Yes, but he wasn't. It wasn't what we know country rap to be now. With yeah. you know which. That what we know as country rap now, a lot of that has to go to um, Adam Calhoun, yeah, early Jelly Roll, Haystacks, Little White, yeah, um, Little White, yep, and Demon Jones, and and honestly Rehab, Rehab, um, Danny Boone. For those who don't know, Rehab that, is that is like probably my one of my first. I guess introductions into like I guess you'd call it not well, I like to call it hiccup. Mm-hmm. Um, is rehab. Well, it's and, funny we we're talking about memories. Yeah, Southern Discomfort came out two thousand one ish. Mm-hmm. August, mid August. At least that's when I became aware of it. Mm-hmm. Southern Discomfort was the album that I was deep into during nine eleven. Really? So when 9-11, so when I'm listening, so got to go back, 9-11, everybody's freaking out, towers are down, people are dead. And the course to it don't matter. It don't matter and I don't care. Everything good is over there. Everything bad is over here. And so yeah. it really resonated. resonated. And that whole album, you know, once again, Southern people with addictions, drinking. And at this yeah. point, I'm 21, going through a divorce. I have a, I became a father at 17. So, you know, dealing with the struggle of paying child support at 19, 20 years old, uh, going through a divorce, got a roommate on the verge of being homeless. And so that time, and when I graduated high school, I got into a band. See, through high school, to deal with some of those demons I taught about our lives, writing poetry. Mm -hmm. Well, kind of like, um, um, Shay was just on Adam Crow. I'm not Adam Crow. Um, just like Zach Bryan was saying on uh, Joe Rogan the other day. Yeah, you can't write poetry in high school. That shit ain't cool. You get beat up. And so <laughs> you're writing songs. And so a guy who graduated before me had a band. Him and his, he played guitar. He had another guitarist and a drummer, and they're putting together a band. And he wrote and sang. And one night as a lark, I just pulled my Manila. This I'm fucking. Uh, I don't know. Out of high school now. I'm a year out of high school, go back to my apartment, pull down Manila envelope, throw it in his lap, and it's all these poems that I wrote to high school. Yeah. And he's like, fucking, you ever written a song before? I'm like, no. So I joined the band <laughs> as a backup singer and a songwriter. Couldn't find a bass player. 
well, as all 13 year old boys do, I can play a shitty guitar. I can play fade. To bl- I can play, you know, paint to black and <laughs> fucking banjo shit. You know, I can do the old finger tap. And so I can play a G, you know, I can play a shitty guitar. And so my, Turned out to be a roommate. His whole method, his whole theory was if you can play a shitty guitar, you can play a decent bass. <laughs> and so, <laughs> because I had rhythm, because of my family, I became. A, I'm a, people ask me if I play bass. I say no. I'm a Xerox machine. You tell me what to play. I have timing. I have great fucking timing. Yeah. So you tell me what. Show me the notes. Play it through with me, and then so basically, I would. I was in a band watching the hand placement and. I could play bass. I was in a band for three years, writing songs, playing bass, and singing backup. But anyhow, um, fast forward, getting divorced, listening to, to rehab. So when I left Ohio to go to California and in 2001, my CD player was either playing ICP albums or rehab, and that was basically right. it. I got you. And so let's fast forward a few years because it's going on a little longer. Um, so you guys just heard the wide, vast library of music we listen to. And I listen to forties music now cause I'm a roar too, hobby. <laughs> but because of the lyrical content of which we were listening to mm-hmm. your Wu-Tang clans, your ICPs, your twisteds, your anybody killers, your tech nines, your DMX, all the heavy metal music. And if you guys missed, we did a whole episode on censorship. Going through all that era, seeing musicians and all that, freedom of speech has always been a big thing for me. Oh, yeah. And I've always listened to music that most people can't play in public. And I take pride in it. Now I'm older, I turn it down so kids don't hear it. But then when the kids are gone, I fucking crank the shit back up. Let's fuck yep. them. <laughs> <laughs> but so when we hear these news stories... Like, try that in a small town. Yeah. Okay, first and foremost, 2023, something's got to be turned into something because people need to have something to publish on social media and the people need to have something to talk in the news about to get us to not, to not pay attention to what's really going on with our whole society collapsing. And so when you hear people claiming try that in a small town represents something that if you listen to the lyrics... If you were to take that lyric sheet to somebody who doesn't have TV or internet and not know of the controversy going on, and they read the lyrics, and they're like, what's the big deal? I don't see the problem with it. Because I guess the big debate was the music video. It, it wasn't a problem until the video came out. But it's like, have you not listened to Chris Webby? I've been, I mean, I've been, I've been listening to Chris Webby before he turned into what he is now. Back when he was more just a party rapper. Have you yeah. not listened to Adam Calhoun? Have you not listened to Tom McDonald? Have you not listened to ICP or any of the song? Fucking, you know, fuck the police back in the day. I mean, yeah. And so when I hear people getting outraged over this stuff, it's like, it's a non-starter. There's nothing. In the song. Yeah. And so I, it's just, to me, it seems like a huge waste of energy, but it's, I don't want to sound like that conspiracy nut, but it's, it's truly just to keep people occupied. I, I think it's that. And I think 
they know that society needs to be able to point the finger. And uh, not society as so much as, as the media and special interest groups. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, if you really think about it, I mean, you, you know, I well, I'd say as a, as a society, as people, there's this natural instinct, I guess, to, you know, especially nowadays, and especially with my generation and the generation after me, is like nobody does any investigating anymore. No, no most people don't even make it past the headline, especially the headlines more than two sentences. Yeah, and nobody cares about facts or anything like that anymore. They just if, if they read it, oh, it's true. Now automatically. And it's stifling creativity. Yeah. And here's what I say about it. if you guys are new to the show, I've been on the Zach Bryan thing before, like I've been on before everybody knew you know, I I came through him because going south came up on my dead south playlist one day and i got into dead south because they play showed up on my um wow going back to boston my um <laughs> dropkick murphy's playlist when i was running so and which all comes stems from my days listening to punk music and all that so that's how yeah i got into country music was i was running listening to dropkick murphy's a dead south song came on listen to dead south radio because i liked it and then all these you know trampled by turtles came on and then all these other white buffalo and and all these other songs and then jelly rolls came on i but anyhow the jelly rolls completely changed too he's not the same artist he once was but good for him he's making money now but as you get older something happens all new music sucks for the most part i have to agree with that unless it's lyrical content based and it's interesting because we, we did a whole, you know, long hour on the stuff we listened to as a kid. But the interesting yeah. thing was until, and not everybody, and I never understood this. I realized when I was in high school that m- uh, most of my contemporaries don't listen to the lyrics. They don't pay attention to the lyrics. They like the rhythm. They like the chorus. Well, and, and, and transitioning e- even in today's music, it's not about... You know, I mean, yeah, there are certain songs that are kind of like, you know, oh, it's about the message and stuff like that. But popular music, like the Billboard, for instance, the Billboard Hot 100. Nobody's listening to any of these fucking lyrics. No. And that's why a lot of those songs can be played on pop radio where they censor the words out because no one's listening to them anyhow. They're listening to the, right. the rhythm and the chorus. And the beat and, you know, how it just... That that beat fetishism is what you know comes to mind with stuff like that. Is you know, but so when you get older and you're not into the derivative stuff, regardless of what you know, if you grew up in the '40s, you didn't like the shit your kids are listening to in the '60s, and if you grew up in the '70s, you didn't like your kids are listening to the '90s. It's just the way human evolution is, because yeah, you've been around a while and, and you like what you like, and let but. What happens to a lot of us, not everybody, because still not everybody listens to the lyrics of their songs, We, a lot of people, as they get older, they actually start focusing on the lyrics of their song. Yeah. And it's the lyrics that take them to listening to songs that they wouldn't have listened to as a kid. Oh, I'm not going to listen to, I'm not going to listen to The Highwaymen as a kid. I don't care about Waylon and Johnny and Willie and Chris Christopherson. 
But when you get in your 30s and 40s and you listen to the lyrics of, yeah, um, oh shit. Um, <laughs> completely went blank on it. Spit it out. <laughs> oh. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. Um, Give me some clues here. I might be able to. Willie Nelson and, and uh, Johnny Cash. No, Willie and Waylon. Um, yeah. Sing about the uh, two the the Wild West cowboys who stole. Mamas don't let your no. They stole money cowboys. from Mexico. They made it across the border, and then um, one of them gave up his homeboy, and then he went. He ended up dying old in Cleveland. Oh, oh. I don't remember that song. Oh crap! Anyhow. So listening to lyrical content will actually take you to songs that you would never listen to. That's how I got into Zach Ryan. It's, it's, yeah. the, con- it's the lyrics of his songs that draw you in. Yeah. And the fact that that dude was in the Navy for eight years and just started throwing songs on Twitter for fun, and they blew up and the Navy came to him and said, you got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> this conflict of interest. You're too big. You're what? I'm, I'm going to retire in the Navy. I've been here nine years. I'm, I'm going to go for another 12. No, you're gone. You're too famous. He never intended. He just started recording videos and throwing them up on there for fun. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. And so <laughs> now when you get older, I think you focus more on lyrical content and a lot of, and, and a lot of people use the lyrical content to express their political opinions. Take over while I look for the song. Yeah. Political opinion, which I, I disagree with. Yes, music is a way to express how you feel and 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 things like that, but I I've never really been one to to listen to too much music that gets really really political. I mean, like Tom McDonald gets very political with a lot of his stuff and is very anti this and 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 whatnot. He's, I'm sorry, Willie Nelson great. and Merle Haggard, Poncho and Lefty. Okay. That's the song. He brought it back. There you go. Yeah, Poncho and Lefty. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm not a very political person to begin with. I believe that I have my rights. I believe everybody has their rights. Everybody has their right to an opinion, just like we were talking about last week. That doesn't mean it's not going to, uh, you know, freedom of speech doesn't mean that you're not going to get slapped in the mouth for what the fuck you say. Yep. Um, you know, I just, music is a way to express yourself, but once you start bringing in politics, it's the same thing with like movie stars and stuff like that. Oh, I'm popular. So now I need to tell you how you need to feel. And, and I, now I need to tell you who to vote for it. Now I need to tell you, you know, what but if you go back and listen to ICP, there was a lot of politics in ICP. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you there. I just, in today's culture, because kids are so, and, you know, the younger generation is, they're so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Fragile. Impressionable. <laughs> well, we are always impressionable. Yeah, but I think they're even more today than mm. we were back when we were young. I don't know. I mean, I did. I, I did I, hang I on really the back do. of a Nissan truck on a skateboard because this old Michael J. J. Fox do it in Back to the Future. <laughs> it didn't end well for me. <laughs> Not to mention yeah, the you, same style that, stunts and gleaming the cube with Christian Slater and his Pizza Hut truck. 
but you busted your ass. Mm-hmm. You learned how to fall, like we were talking about before. Yeah. And you know, maybe you tried it again, maybe you didn't. See, I'm I'm the opposite on this topic with you. I think it's okay. I'm all about it. Like I said, when I felt a certain way about a certain flag flown by a certain community of people in the South, I let that expression fly through um, Shag's two dope screaming, fuck your rebel flag. Um, <laughs> I do the same thing now. Um, you know, if I'm pissed off about what we're seeing, kind of like when we're talking about censorship, people getting yeah. canceled, um, getting shit kicked off, I'll roll down my windows and fucking crank Chris Webby's song um, talking about, you know, preserving freedom of speech and, you know, or Tom McDonald's song or even Adam Calhoun's song. I will happily yeah, I roll guess. down my windows and crank those songs when I'm in a mood because I I see in our, or I feel the changes in which they're talking about. Yeah, I I guess in that aspect, I guess I guess I I probably worded it wrong. Um well there's nothing wrong with disagreeing. I'm just saying that's no, I'm not, I'm on this not, topic. You know, I I'm I'm not saying that, you know, cuz I like Tom McDonald. I you know, I like a lot of the things that he stands <clears> for, but it's just, you know, these people that are out here that that know that they have influence and don't care that they're negatively impacting people. But that's always been they're, the way it is, though. I mean, yeah. if you look at when I grew up in the 90s, gangster rap, I mean, literally people getting shot over shoes and jackets and money and chains yeah. and, and city blocks, that negatively affected the youth of the day. True. Um, you know, as I said before, how many of us Generation X have bad necks because we were headbanging all the time because <laughs> the music we were listening to because that's what you did. Yeah. And so, I mean, that was always there. But um, I don't know. I, I think that's, I mean, if you go back, I mean, music, I think, was pro- next to journalism. I think music, even prior, probably before journalism because music's been around longer than the printing press. Right. And so prior to the printing press, you're scribing scrolls as many as you could at a time but i think more protest more politics more idol idol ideology was passed through folk songs and you know going back to the robin hood days and you're hearing these old old timey songs that's how they kind of like if you ever watched the, the witcher you know, mm-hmm. he, on that show, he's got the guy singing songs about him, spreading the word about the Witcher and how he's a good guy. I mean, that song has always been how political. I mean, look at Bob Dylan. Yeah. By today's standards, that shit was nothing. But back then, those were anti-war and anti-establishment and pro-drug protest songs. And so politi- yeah. politics has always been there. I guess it. A big part of it is how you deliver the message and how many profane words and. You know, there's I a think, there's a way of doing it eloquently, and then there's the other "fuck you." Here's my middle finger, and here's how I feel. That's I think more of the the line that I'm talking about is. Oh, I just kind of lost it, but no, I agree um, with you. Um, and we talked about this a little bit uh, last week on the censorship episode, which is yeah, we've always up until recently had a a love and appreciation for freedom of speech, but that went hand in hand with decorum. <laughs> and decorum is what we've really lost. And 
yes, I'm mad. I'm sending traffic lights around my cars. I might roll down my window and play Tom McDonald around Adam Calhoun. But am I going to roll through a church parking lot blasting that? No, because I have decorum. Am I going to roll through an elementary school parent pickup line blasting that? No. High school, maybe, because I want to be cool and I want the seniors to like me. But no, no, I mean, as you get older, if you're a halfway decent human being, you start to realize that there's a place and a time for it. And so if that environment's not conducive to that type of music, I'll still listen to it. I'll just keep my windows up and... uh, and listen to it, but yeah, I think and I think that's a big part of it is we need to bring that decorum back. I think, and even even you know, I, I, we need, <laughs> I'm well, trying to think of how to say it. <laughs> leave the kids it. alone. Wu Tang is for the children. Wu Tang is for the children. I've said this back when Dave was on here. This is how, I, and we're going to wrap the show up here in a minute, but. This is how I knew I was getting old. Well, I was a parent at this point. Once again, Tunnel of Love, ICP. I listened to Luke Skywalker's one and one in third grade. If you don't know what that is, do yourself a favor, go look for Luke Skywalker's one and one. It's the most vulgar shit you'll ever hear. It's all sexual-based stuff. One and one, we're having some fun in the bedroom all day. It starts, goes, it goes from there. <laughs> This is the music we were listening to down low on third grade because we got the bootleg tape. We couldn't hear it. If our parents heard it, they'd fucking destroy us. <laughs> and so I'm down for the cause of vulgar music, sexual music. Here's when I knew I got old. Missy Elliott. I want to work it. No problem with the song. Let me work it. Let me search it so I can find out how hard I got to work it. It's a song about a young lady wanting to know the size of her gentleman caller's equipment so she knows how much physical activity is going to be required of her to accomplish the mission at hand. No right. problem with that. Not a problem with that. When the video came out, <laughs> video starts out. Let me search it. Let me work. Flip down. Flip down. Hot. 18. 23-year-old girls and the 2,000 thongs are dancing or doing the booty shaking and the fucking Laker girls dance. Still not a problem with it. Hot girls picking up a payphone, close-up face of her hot fucking dude, six-pack, you know. Not a problem with it. For some reason, don't know who, don't know why, don't know if it's the director, the guy who wrote the video, if Missy Elliott thought, hey, I want to have my nieces in this just to have them on a video, not a big deal. Second act of the song. Still talking about, hey, how big's your cock so I know how much work I got to put on this. We cut to the playground and you have like 11-year-old girls dancing the same dances that the hot 20-year-olds at the beginning. It's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Once again, not a problem. Yeah. You want to know how much influence you're going to have on you, you and your man are going to get fucking down tonight. You guys are going to go at it. Sex all night. Perfect. Let's talk about it. But why do we got to have, why is this video taking place on a fucking elementary school playground playground with the little fucking horsey on the spring and you got fucking 11 year olds dancing the same dance that the hot 20 year olds are dancing why and that's when i that's when i would say i'm okay that offends me i'm getting old well no that in fact i was a parent of a fucking girl at that point too i had like (laughs) a six-year-old daughter but i'm like what the fuck yeah once again 
lyrical content, that song, playing in my radio, fine. Playing at the bar, after hours, fine. You bring the kids into it, no, not so much. Place and time. We need to bring yeah. that back. I'm all for, I'm all for listening to it, but come on, let's let's listen to it when it's you know going to make a video about something. No reason to put kids in it unless you're doing a rock song about a guy who rescues abducted kids. Okay, put the kid in it. But when you have a song, it's about sexual activities. Leave the kids out of it, and that goes right. a lot for even, a lot of stuff now. Even just like you know rap songs and and hip hop artists and stuff like that that you know they'll put kids in there music videos and whatnot when they're talking about the streets and the struggle and, and things like that. You know, that makes sense. <laughs> I had to stop today. <laughs> that puts a message out there, you know. When you write a song at 18 and it blows up, should you feel socially responsible to change a lyric or two when you're singing that same song at 50? <laughs> Whether you're singing, she's only 17. That Okay, you wrote that song when you're 18. Not so creepy. You could have just turned 18 two weeks ago. You're fucking 50. <laughs> How about she's only 23 and a half or she's only 23. <laughs> um, I was listening to Adam Carolla and they were talking about xylophone. He's like, God, I can't think of a song that you I was like, gone, daddy, gone. Violent films. He's like, it's, um, oh, no, everybody in the studio. Uh, no one ever did a song. In my truck, violent films, gone, daddy, gone. Uh, who sang blister in a song? Um, good feelings. And he it finally came to him. Violent Femmes, Gone Daddy Gone. <laughs> I was thinking about this at work, which raised this question. Lead singer was probably 18 when he wrote this song. Beautiful girl, love your dress, high school smile, oh yes. When you're 50 singing that song, should it be college girl smile? <laughs> I mean, do we need to adjust <laughs> the age for inflation so that, you, yes, you wrote the song 40 years ago when you were a minor or 18, but now if you're still singing it in your 40s and 50s, can we adjust the age so it doesn't look like you're a big fucking creeper when you're singing the song? Yeah. No one in the sense. audience except for the 18-year-olds will get upset. <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> She's only 43. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, music oh, definitely has a huge impact. And, you know, this – but the political aspect to it, whether – you know, decorum or not, we can't allow people to to shut it down, regardless of what it's about. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine if DMX, Rough Rider, Anthem came out nowadays? You can't even sing the first word to the first core, the first verse. The very first word. Yeah. You can't even play that song anywhere now. Hell, his album you couldn't play anywhere. Well, you could say the first word. My. Not on Rough Rider's Anthem. The I thought my was the first. No. It's not? On Rough Rider's Anthem? You know, the one that stop shop, shut them down, open up shop? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm thinking of... Um, that's the one I'm... I was thinking of a drag-on song. No, oh, okay. That, that DMX was on. Gotcha. I, I can't even say the title. I'm, I'm not allowed to say the title. <laughs> That's so hard. You'll be at the gym, get earbuds in. And I wore that DMX album out. I had both his his first two albums. I wore the shit out of them out in the 90s, 2000s. 
18-year-old dude back then singing that? Windows down? Fuck you. I'm singing it. The brothers understood. Nowadays. Brothers understood. Fuck it. You're listening to our shit. You know? DMX is making money because you're buying it, fucking you down for the cause. They didn't get angry. Nowadays, I'm at the gym. DMX, come on. Don't sing out loud. <laughs> Don't sing out loud. <laughs> you're not allowed. You yourself. You'll be escorted out of here. But yeah, so drama left and right. Drama left, right, left was my jam. What's up, Patriot Fishing? And so yeah, but um, I don't know. I, like I said, we need to get back to decorum. And the other thing that upsets me, and this doesn't have it annoys the shit out of me when people are talking about a subject such as this or the Bud Light stuff. And even the people who are like right there, but they miss like so many details. Yeah. Like the Bud Light stuff. People think, Oh, just a bunch of homophobes. That's part of it. But you have two other groups. You have the group that once again, leave the kids out of it. If they would have chose a different transgender influencer, this would never happen. Because I remember when I first started looking into this story, I'm like, what's the big deal? Is is transgender, what's the big deal? Who cares? And I saw the video of him sitting in the bathtub. It kind of creeped me out. I'm like, what the, why am I getting creeped out about this? And then I realized he's wearing the shirt you get your 12-year-old daughter when she starts to develop. Yeah. And then I started researching this cat. And like, and then I realized, you know what they sent him the can for? Hmm. He was celebrating his 360 day of girlhood, not womanhood. Oh, girlhood, yeah, 365th day or something like that. 365 yeah. first year. The guy's yeah. 25, acting like an 11 year old girl. That hmm. was the problem. Once again, leave the kids out of it. And then the third, which no one talks about at all, is they pulled an airwalk. When they, the, they pulled an airwalk, they turned her, they turned her back actively, vocally turned her back on their demographic, and had nothing to do with Dylan Mulvaney, the third yeah. group that no one talks about. The woman who was in charge of the marketing literally came out and said, "Up to this point, our our core audience, people who drink our products, are frat boys. They're too fratty, and we don't like that." That was the rub. It's like, yeah. wait a minute. I had yes, you had, once again you had two groups. You had the people who didn't like that. You had the homophobes. You had the people who were like we don't care, just keep kids out. And then you had the third group. Like, wait a minute. It's kind of like when BC boys apologized for um, license to ill, because yeah. <laughs> as they got older, they didn't like the the uh, sexually explicit lyrics. And a lot of people listen to BC boys. Like, wait a minute. You, uh, you're basically saying those who listened to our product then were a bunch of amateur assholes and we're not down for that. Well, but like basically said, you guys are fratty. We don't like the representation you give our brand. So fuck off. So what did they do? They fucked off. And now their, their market share, people are like, well, it's a bunch of homophobes. Well, there were homophobes involved in that, but the other bigger part was people saying, well, you don't like how I dress or how I act. Cause I'm too fratty. You yeah. know, like the, my representation of your brand on a football game? Fine, I'll drink right. something else. <laughs> and you get what you get what you ask for. Yeah. And they just never thought it would go this far. I mean, I saw And people went after 100. Target. Same thing with the Target thing. Yeah. Oh, Target. They're getting 
they're getting lambasted because of their their pride clothes. That was part of it. There was a group of homophobes doing that. The other thing was that got no political play. It came out that the corporation that owns Target was donating money to a grassroots program that was trying to get the United States to surrender the South Dakota um, Mount Rushmore back to the Native Americans. They were they were actively funding a grassroots program that was trying to get us to essentially succeed that area of South Dakota and give it over to the Native Americans because kind of like what Ben and Jerry said, oh, you yeah. guys are stolen all your land. And so that was the other reason why people started protesting Target, but no one talked about that. It was the T-shirts and the swimsuits. Once again, yeah. that was part of it, but people didn't like you know, the fact that they were trying to get the government to hand over fucking property. Yeah. It was the politics. And so, you know, it's it just... Always, it always comes down to the damn politics. <laughs> well, if they would just shut up, sell marginally priced clothes and food, then no one would care. Just like if Bud Light would have shut up and just continued putting out the same type of advertising that works, no one would have cared. But you get one employee who wants to be hip, wants to say, I'm going to change the way this company operates. Yeah. Congratulations, you lost $23 billion. Just like the guy at Airwalk who decided in the mid-90s we're no longer going to promote skateboarding. We're going to go base jumping. Well, last time I saw a pair of Airwalks, they were being sold at fucking JCPenney, and they made knockoff versions of um, freaking Uggs. So, yeah, they turned their back They turned their back on the skateboard community. The skateboard community said, fine, we're out. And then Airwalk had to change. They started making knockoff versions of their shoes. They rode out Payless until Payless went under. Now they hang out with JCPenney. Mm-hmm. Don't turn your back on your demographic. But you have anything else you want to add before we wrap this up? Uh, I think I pretty much talked uh, touched on most of the topics I wanted to go over. Well, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the What's in Your Head podcast. We want to thank each and every one of you for hanging out with us. Please head over to whatsinyourhead.com or d-410.com. Click on that Patreon link, like, and subscribe. It only costs you a dollar a month. It goes a lot over here to pay for services and things, web hosting, um, software licenses. There's monthly overhead that, that helps to go pay. And, um, you know, but I get it. Fucking inflation. Money's tight. Times are hard. You know, a dollar's a dollar, man. A dollar can go to your kid's lunch. You know, I get it. Head over to YouTube. Like, subscribe, watch our videos. Doesn't cost you a dime. And um, it adds up some pennies and will help pay the bills that way. So thank you guys so much. And for, for myself and Mike and everybody else, bye TikTok. We will talk to you all next week. This has been a Digital 410 production. <laughs>